Psalm 35 is one of the imprecatory psalms or curse psalms. And there's a handful of these throughout the scriptures. And so the tension is, how do you handle a curse psalm in the light of how we're supposed to live as uh, loving our enemies and forgiving them? We're going to get into that today and more. I pray this episode blesses you. Hey friends, welcome to the Hearing Jesus podcast. Do you sometimes doubt if you're truly hearing God's voice or if it's really your own? And how do you know the difference? Do you ever struggle to feel confident in your relationship with God and what he says in his word? Do you sometimes feel stagnant or like maybe you hit a wall in your spiritual life? Hey, I'm your host, Rachel Grohl, missionary, author, pastor, and life coach. And I have been there. I too was doubting God's voice in my own life. I felt insecure about my relationship with him and I wanted to be obedient to what God was calling me to do, but I wasn't quite sure how to figure out what that was. I felt like I was wasting time trying to figure it out, and I just wanted a way to understand His will for my life. The answer for me was found in the pages of the scriptures, as I learned how to understand what they were actually saying. If you're ready to grow in your faith and to step confidently into the calling God has for you, then join me as we dig deep into God's Word so that you can learn to live out your faith in your everyday life. Hey friends, before we get into today's episode, I have a quick word. I know that you have been frustrated with being confident in how to tell the difference between hearing from God and wondering if it's your own voice. I know, I've been there myself. That's why I wrote the Bible study, She Hears, Learning to Listen to Jesus. This is a six-week study that takes you through the book of John, looking at six women in the life of Jesus, how he calls them, how he encourages them, how he equips them. It also teaches the color method of Bible study, helping you to learn how to really understand the scriptures. I also include a lot of cultural and historical information that makes these familiar passages of scripture really come alive. This is a great study to do with maybe your teen girls or a group of friends from church, and it will really help you gain confidence in how to hear from the Lord and set you up with some tools that will stay with you long after the study is over. Again, head to shehears.org and you can find the Bible study on the resources page. Hey friends, welcome back to the Hearing Jesus podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Grohl. Today we are doing our devotional reading of Psalm 35, which is a Psalm of David. Contend, O Lord, with those who contend with me. Fight against those who fight against me. Take up shield and buckler, arise and come to my aid. Brandish spear and javelin against those who pursue me. Say to my soul, I am your salvation. May those who seek my life be disgraced and put to shame. May those who plot my ruin be turned back in dismay. May they be like chaff before the wind, with the angel of the Lord driving them away. May their path be dark and slippery, with the angel of the Lord pursuing them, since they hid their net for me without cause, and without cause dug up a pit for me. May ruin overtake them by surprise. May the net they hid entangle them. May they fall into the pit to their ruin. Then my soul will rejoice in the Lord and delight in his salvation. My whole being will exclaim, Who is like you, O Lord? You rescue the poor from those too strong for them, the poor and needy from those who rob them. Ruthless witnesses come forward. They question me on things I know nothing about. They repay me evil for good and leave my soul forlorn. 
Yet when they were ill, I put on sackcloth and humbled myself with fasting. When my prayers returned to me unanswered, I went about mourning as though for my friend or brother. I bowed my head in grief as though weeping for my mother. But when I stumbled, they gathered in glee. Attackers gathered against me when I was unaware. They slandered me without ceasing. Like the ungodly, they maliciously mocked. They gnashed their teeth at me. O Lord, how long will you look on? Rescue my life from their ravages, my precious life from these lions. I will give you thanks in the great assembly. Among throngs of people, I will praise you. Let not those gloat over me who are my enemies without cause. Let not those who hate me without reason maliciously wink the eye. They do not speak peaceably, but devise false accusations against those who live quietly in the land. They gape at me and say, aha, aha, with their own eyes we have seen it. O Lord, you have seen this. Be not silent. Do not be far from me, O Lord. Awake and rise to my defense. Contend for me, my God, my Lord. Vindicate me in your righteousness, O Lord, my God. Do not let them gloat over me. Do not let them think, aha, just what we wanted, or say we have swallowed him up. May all who gloat over my distress be put to shame and confusion. May all who exalt themselves over me be clothed with shame and disgrace. May those who delight in my vindication shout for joy and gladness. May they always say, the Lord be exalted, who delights in the well-being of his servant. My tongue will speak of your righteousness and of your praises all day long. So Psalm 35, uh, before we get into uh, digging into Psalm 35 itself, I want to make a mention about the kind of psalm that Psalm 35 is. So Psalm 35 is the first of what's called the imprecatory psalms. And imprecatory psalms deal with this issue of divine justice in a very like bare bones way. So in one sense, it's an individual lament psalm on the part of David, but on the larger aspect, it's a prayer for deliverance, really. Um, and it could have been directed towards Saul, but David also had a lot of enemies, both inside and outside of Israel. So it could have been more towards uh, the general sense of, of enemy. But then essentially, it also points to Jesus's enemies because of the prophetic nature of the soul. So that word imprecatory, if you've never heard it before, uh, the first time I heard it, I didn't understand really what it was talking about. Imprecatory really means curse. So what this is saying is that this is a psalm that is asking God to bring curses on one's enemies. And that was a common practice in ancient Israel. Uh, in the countries around Israel in, in that time frame, that was a common practice uh, to ask for curses on, on enemies. So these curse psalms or imprecatory psalms essentially serve as prayers on behalf of David that God will repay evil deeds of the psalmist's enemies. And so the other imprecatory psalms are, so we have Psalm 35, we have 55, 59, 69, 79, 83, 109, and 137. So we will eventually get to all of them. But the three that most honestly earn this title of the imprecatory psalms are Psalm 35, this one, 69, and 109. But yet that word imprecatory or curse is not the best label for that genre even because as we can see in Psalm 35, there's no actual curses in the strict sense of the word. And so maybe the best way to call these Psalms would be like Psalms of anger or Psalms of wrath, but not necessarily 
curse psalms or imprecatory psalms. Um, but that's been the standard label up until now. And so we're going to continue to refer to it that way as an imprecatory psalm. But but I want to make it really clear that there's really no statements in this psalm, which is actually a poem, that can be designated as a curse. Um, psalm 35 verses 4 through 8 provide the closest example of what they would have considered a curse. But it's clearly not a curse in the sense of some of the other ancient uh, writings that would have happened outside of Israel at the time. So really, even though we're calling it this imprecatory psalm and or a cursed psalm, which is what scholars would call it, it's really a prayer that God would deal out justice to those who, without reason, have dealt injustice to the psalmist. And I think that's important to point out because as believers, I feel like a lot of times we are targets of unjust behavior just just because we are believers. Now, there's a problem, I think, sometimes that arises with this, because the problem for Christians and Jews alike, really, is how to line up kind of like the vengeful nature um, against uh, of these Psalms against the commandment to love God and love your neighbor. And, you know, the challenge that we face this, with this is, is in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Um, you know, Jesus says to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So how do we reconcile that with this command? Um, if we're reading this through the terms of like biblical ethics, when we see these curses laid out, um, and again, I'm using the term curses, but the, the spirit of this is wrath or anger. How do we, how do we reconcile that against this command that we see with Jesus? Well, Jesus interp interprets the curses of these Psalms to have been fulfilled in his own suffering. So in John 15, 25, and then also in Ro Romans 15, 3, we see that. And nowhere does Jesus use these Psalms against his enemies. If anything, what we're seeing is a foreshadowing of how the enemies were going to act towards Jesus. So there's been a lot of solutions kind of quote unquote solutions put forward to help reconcile that, even though there's probably not a solution in the best sense of the word, but there are some things I think to consider as we read through this. First is because many of the Psalms are poetic, um, there's a belief that there's a little bit of an overstatement of the situation or a little bit of an exaggeration uh, because it's a it's a poem. And with poetic writing, just like with allegories or um, different kinds of artistic writing, they lean into the emotion to, to, as an expression of emotion. So that is one place that scholars land. A second one is that the Old Testament ethics really range all the way from the law of retaliation, which is like an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth back back in Deuteronomy, all the way to the, the law of love, love others, um, love God, love others. And so there's this huge range that we can't really ignore. And then these Psalms would theoretically fall somewhere within that range. So that's that's something to kind of consider the perspective that we're, we're approaching these with. And then the messianic interpretation is, you know, messianic meaning pointing towards to Jesus. It, it's essentially saying that these are prophetic references to the Messiah himself. And so because Jesus himself quoted 3519, let me read 3519 for you. 
Let not those gloat over me who are my enemies without cause. Let not those who hate me without reason maliciously wink the eye. So because Jesus quoted that, it would explain kind of why the world hated him. So in John 15, 25, it talks about how the world hated Jesus. So these curses, quote unquote curses, would then be against the enemies of Jesus rather than the enemies of the psalmist. And, you know, while all of those, you know, points that scholars make, you know, would have valid arguments, I think we're not going to come to a concrete, finite interpretation right here. But what we can do is we can offer some theological perspective. And so first, I want to consider the fact that um, David, as the psalmist, is really perceiving that he has suffered some ill treatment from his persecutors. And at least sometimes what we see in the Psalms is that evil, evil has been repaid for the good that, that someone has done to their enemies. And so this Psalm talks about all the things that David has done good. And when he was done good, he has been repaid with evil. And that happens to us today. That's still, I mean, that's the world that we live in. And then on some occasions, like in Psalm 109, which is a different imprecatory Psalm, we see that sometimes even in those situations, it was the Psalmist friends. So it's like this whole idea of backstabbing. That's not something that has gone away. In fact, it's probably increased. So I think it's important that we read and understand that this is something that, that God addresses and that's been going on for quite some time. And then another thing is that we see David's faith in God's goodness is still intact. So even though faith in human beings has like taken a huge downward plunge, which I feel I, I connect with that. Like my faith in humanity in the last couple of years is like, what is going on in this crazy world we live in? But yet that doesn't take away my faith in God's goodness. And that I think is an important perspective to take here. And so as we're trying to understand why this poem would include some sort of quote unquote curse language, uh, against, you know, the, the enemies of the psalmist. I think, again, we have to recognize that really divine judgment is a reality in both the Old and New Testament, and we need to take that seriously. We see divine judgment throughout the scriptures. But I also want to recognize that the Christian's desire for vengeance is, I think, a natural thing. And so, especially in response to evil, like we all desire, you know, when you hear about like, you know, one of these latest shooters, like I woke up this morning to another shooting, another mass shooting, I think it was in Philadelphia. I desire vengeance on that person. I desire justice for that person on behalf of the innocent lives that were taken. That is a natural response to evil on behalf of a Christian. And I think that's what we're seeing here on in in David's very personal plea to God. Like what is going on? Like 
can you can you step in you know and, and i appreciate that i appreciate seeing that on david from david because i myself feel that way i feel this angst of the evil that's in the world and it's like okay god when are you going to intervene can you just do something and so i think that's the perspective that we're reading psalm 35 from and i appreciate that so much like i said before i used to think that the bible was just like sunshine and rainbows and i couldn't deal with the mess of my life in terms of going through the perspective of scripture. But instead, what I find, especially when I read some of these cursed psalms, the imprecatory psalms, is, okay, this very real emotion is normal, and God sees it, and God understands it. So I'm, I'm going to walk through a couple more things, and then we'll reread it with that perspective in mind. I think as believers cry out to God for judgment on the enemies of his people, there's this sense that we want him to defeat the wicked. I mean, even with the the more recent um, overturning of Roe v. Wade, I am pro-life. I've always been pro-life. That movement, it, it comes after the prayers of Christians for years. Like for years, Christians have prayed to God on on behalf of the unborn to overturn that decision and to make right the things that have been done wrong. So I think that even just in that example, like we see that over and over this prayer for God to defeat the wickedness of this world. And so, yes, while God's people are instructed to forgive their enemies, there's also this sense that we are praying for justice. We're always going to pray as believers that evil will stop and justice will be done for the innocent. And and I think that's really what we're getting from Psalm 35. So yes, it's a curse, quote unquote, curse Psalm, but really at, at the heart of it, it's a justice Psalm. So I, I think what we should do is we should take this constant intercession to God, this example that we see in David, where he is constantly going to God with all of his emotions. Like that's what we're seeing throughout the Psalms. David takes to God all of his emotions. That's the example we should see. And and then there are a couple more additional insights before I reread it. Um, in that prayer, there's going to be different kinds of prayer. So there are prayers for freedom. So number one, there would be prayers for freedom from the injustice or the crime or the cruelty that's going on. And and I want to say that God's followers have a right to pray for his protection from evil people. It's not wrong to pray for protection from evil be, just because we have this mentality of like, okay, we have to forgive them and love them. Okay, yes, forgive them and love them, but still pray for protection and pray for that stuff not to happen in the first place. I think number two, that there are requests to God that are asking him to bring about justice and to punish the wicked in ways that fit their crimes. So that's the example we see in Psalm 35. It's, it's um, this example that like if the fair penalties are not handed down by God or even the human government, violence and chaos is what's going to take over the society. And so we have to remember God is a just God. And as believers, we have to fight for justice. We have to pray for justice. 
Number three, as we read these prayers, I think it's important to keep in mind that the psalmist is not taking judgment or revenge into his own hands, but he's trusting God to be the judge. And I think that's an important point that sometimes we miss. As we are praying for justice, as we are um, asking God to move on the behalf of the innocent, we are trusting God to do that. There is this element of trust in our relationship with God. Um, Number four, I think these kinds of Psalms teach us a powerful truth. And that's that when the sin of the wicked reaches its limit, the Lord will judge and sometimes even destroy. I mean, that's what we see over and over in the Old Testament. That, that yes, God is a merciful God, but he is a just God. I mean, we see that with the flood. We see it with um, the that ca- the Babylonian captivity. Like, God's only going to let things go so, so far before he allows the consequence of sin to, to deal. Because he is a just God. I mean, that's why we needed Jesus. We needed Jesus to step in to pay the punishment for our sin because it destroyed, our sin destroyed our relationship with God. And so because God is a just God, there was punishment for our sin. There was punishment for the sins that we commit today. Jesus took that punishment for us on the cross. That's kind of the whole point of everything. And so, yes, God is a just God. And we have to recognize that and remember that. And then I think number five, we need to remember that these prayers are also inspired by the Holy Spirit. This is not just an expression of human desire on David's part. And it's not just a reflection of our heart. This is all of scripture is God breathed. And so this is Holy Spirit inspired. So there is some element where it is revealing God's character and God's nature as a just God who wants to intercede on our behalf. And so number six, the most important goal of this type of prayer is to see injustice and cruelty come to an end. And so we want to see evil destroyed. We want to see righteousness established. And we want God's purposes to be accomplished as believers. That's our goal. And so this goal is a major, major goal of the New Testament, of course, too. Christ states that. And we he wants his followers to pray for God to defend them or to prove their case and to take those things to God instead of taking them into our own hands. That's that's the the example we see from scripture over and over. When when God says vengeance is mine, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, he's saying, let me handle this. So what we're seeing in Psalm 35 is David saying, okay, God, I'm giving this to you to handle. So it's not a conflict to see these kinds of curses or these vengeance prayers. It's not a conflict with um, the command to love your enemies because we're trusting God to do the judging and the vindication. And so... It's always this balance. Believers have to keep this balance between these two biblical principles. On one hand, you have the desire to see all people accept the forgiveness from God and to receive this personal relationship with Jesus. And then on the other hand, you have this desire to see evil destroyed and God's purposes to prevail and the kingdom of God to be victorious. And so we have this tension that we live in on both sides. And I think the key here really is what we see is prayer. We must constantly pray for salvation for those who don't know Jesus and to evangelize and spread the gospel. But at the same time, we should feel this deep sense of sorrow for those that are rejecting his message and the evil that's in this world. Um, And I think that's a tension that we're going to continue to have this side of heaven. And I think that tension is, is healthy because it motivates us to pray. 
And so given that perspective, I'm going to reread Psalm 35. Contend, O Lord, with those who contend with me. Fight against those who fight against me. Take up shield and buckler, arise and come to my aid. Brandish spear and javelin against those who pursue me. Say to my soul, I am your salvation. May those who seek my life be disgraced and put to shame. May those who plot my ruin be turned back in dismay. May they be like chaff before the wind, with the angel of the Lord driving them away. May their path be dark and slippery, with the angel of the Lord pursuing them, since they hid their net for me without cause, and without cause dug a pit for me. May ruin overtake them by surprise. May the net they hid entangle them. May they fall into the pit to their ruin. Then my soul will rejoice in the Lord and delight in his salvation. My whole being will exclaim, Who is like you, O Lord? You rescue the poor from those too strong for them, the poor and needy from those who rob them. Ruthless witnesses come forward. They question me on things I know nothing about. They repay me evil for good and leave my soul forlorn. Yet when they were ill, I put on sackcloth and humbled myself with fasting. When my prayers returned to me unanswered, I went about mourning as though for my friend or brother. I bowed my head in grief as though weeping for my mother. But when I stumbled, they gathered in glee. Attackers gathered against me when I was unaware. They slandered me without ceasing. Like the ungodly, they maliciously mocked. They gnashed their teeth at me. Oh, Lord, how long will you look on? Rescue my life from their ravages, my precious life from these lions. I will give you thanks in the great assembly. Among throngs of people, I will praise you. Let not those gloat over me who are my enemies without cause let not those who hate me without reason maliciously wink the eye they do not speak peaceably but devise false accusations against those who live quietly in the land they gape at me and say aha aha with our own eyes we have seen it O lord you have seen this be not silent. Do not be far from me, O Lord. Awake and rise to my defense. Contend for me, my Lord and my God. Vindicate me in your righteousness, O Lord, my God. Do not let them gloat over me. Do not let them think, aha, just what we wanted, or say we have swallowed him up. May all who gloat over my distress be put to shame and confusion. May all who exalt themselves over me be clothed with shame and disgrace. May those who delight in my vindication shout for joy and gladness. May they always say, the Lord be exalted, who delights in the well-being of his servant. My tongue will speak of your righteousness and of your praises all day long. Father God, Help this prayer of David to be our prayer as well as we face those that are working against us and even this evil in the world that is working against you. Father God, I thank you for the example that we see of how you are a just God. You are a God of justice. So Lord, help us to... um, have strength as we walk in that tension of yes, wanting salvation and forgiveness for for people, but also wanting justice, your justice. God, I pray that you would help us to take everything to you, not to try to work in our own strength or in our own um, schemes or our own will, but God, help us to lay things at your feet and to trust you, the just God, 
the merciful God to work on the behalf of the kingdom. Lord, I thank you for the honesty of David as we see him throughout the Psalms come to you with every emotion. Lord, help us to also come to you with every emotion. Help us to see that example and to know that you want to walk alongside of us in our sorrow, in our pain, in our anger, in our feelings of injustice. God, would you be present in those situations in our lives? Lord, I thank you and I praise you in all things. Amen. Hey friends, before we go, I just want to tell you about a couple of resources that are available to you. The first two are free on my website, shehears.org. There is a free one week devotional on the desires of the heart and that is there completely free for you. I pray that that blesses you and you can take advantage of that. And then every Monday we have a newsletter that goes out that has some journal prompting questions that go along with the podcast episodes, because I think journaling is a way to help us get the information from our head into our hearts. And so that again is completely free. And then also the the Facebook group. In the Facebook group, it's the Christian Women's Daily Bible Study Group on Facebook. That is a completely free community. I did a live in there yesterday. It's a place for me to answer questions or to get prayer or accountability or just have some community for Christian women. So all of those are completely free. And then also, if you have already done the She Hears Bible Study and you're wondering what's next, um, don't worry, I am writing more studies. But in the meantime, one of the things that the She Hears Bible Study does is it gives you the tools that you need to to transfer that color method of study to other passages of scripture. So on my website, I have a bunch of resources for you if you are looking for this, okay, what's next? There is the Bible journals, which is what I personally use. They're beautiful. There's a gospel set there. And those are easy because they're small. You can throw them in a bag that and your highlighters or a pen and and you're good to go. And then there's also some note-taking Bibles or journaling Bibles. So if you want to do the color method right in your Bible, but you don't want to write in your study Bible, it is Bibles that are dedicated with space for note-taking and journaling. It's perfect for doing the color method. Or if you were somebody that wants to dig a little bit deeper and you don't have a study Bible, we have those as well. So lots of different resources. There's some like uh, books of the Bible bookmarks on there to make it easy to find your way around your Bible. All resources that I put on there specifically to help you grow in your spiritual journey to hearing God's voice more clearly. So I pray that those things are a blessing to you. Hey friends, if this podcast helped encourage, empower, or equip you for God's call in your life, I would love it if you would head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. That's the number one way you can support my show. You can also join our free Facebook community or Instagram page where I share inspirational tips, resources, and prayer throughout the week. Hey, I want you to know I'm praying for you this week. Know that you are loved, you are cherished, and you are His.